Holy Father in heaven, blessed be your holy name, O Lord. Thank you for the privilege of life. Thank you for protection and guidance. And thank you, Lord, for providing the basic necessities that we need to sustain our lives and giving us food and air to breathe, water to drink, and security in all our going out, our coming in. We praise your name, Lord. We don't take any of these things for granted. We know that it is in love that you have given all this to us. And we say thank you, Lord. We want our lives to be the simple outworking of your will. We want to glorify you with our lives. We don't want to offend you. You have been so good to us. The best we can do is to bring honor and glory to your name. Therefore, Lord, we pray, consecrate us to your service. Help us to honor you on this earth. Help us, Lord, to bring glory to your name by doing your will. Therefore, Lord, we pray, teach us as little children, that as we learn today, we will learn what it means to be truly great, that by your grace, O Lord, we shall learn how to obey you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, September 15. Obedience and Element of Greatness children obey your parents in the lord for this is right ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 jesus has given to childhood and youth a perfect example study the pattern christ jesus and copy it if you would be like him pure holy sinless and undefiled study the childhood of christ he was the son of god yet the bible record tells us he returned from jerusalem and was subject unto his parents jesus the world's redeemer did as he was told even if the task was not agreeable to his feelings Obedience is an element of true greatness. No one can be truly good and great who has not learned to obey with alacrity. When tempted to have your own way in regard to the wishes of your parents, say, No, Jesus was subject to his parents. Ask help of Jesus who knows the temptations of every child, of every youth, for he has been tempted and knows your every weakness and will help you to overcome it. Seek to be useful, to help your parents, to be caretaking and thoughtful. You can help them in a variety of ways, doing what you can do cheerfully with quick step your face bright with gladness because you can do something for your parents to lighten their load will make you a blessing in the house all these little duties faithfully done are entered upon the ledger of heaven god will make no mistakes he will make an accurate entry of all your life duties done to his glory so never frown but always carry a cheerful happy face a ready hand to help 
an attentive ear to hear the requirements, and a heart to obey, and a quick sympathy for those who need help. Remember, your characters are not finished. You are building up day by day a character. Weave all the kindness, obedience, thoughtfulness, painstaking and love into it you can. Make it after the divine model. Educate yourselves that you may possess the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. You can make the world better by living in it if you only do the very best you can. Amen. The title of our devotion is Obedience and Elements of Greatness. Our key text is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How can the children be taught to obey is the burden of this devotion for today. The Bible instructs that the children should obey their parents, but in the Lord. Simply, that means obey your parents as if you are obeying God. Of course, you cannot obey your parents to do the wrong thing because in doing that, you are not obeying God. So children are to obey their parents to the extent that the parents ask them to do something that is in line with the word of God or doesn't go contrary to God's word. If it goes contrary to God's word, then the children are well within their rights not to obey their parents. We see in the devotion that we are told that if the children must learn to obey, if you want to teach your children to obey, point them to Jesus. That is how. Parents have a duty to exalt and glorify God and Jesus Christ in the minds of their children. Let them understand that you are not asking them to do what you want them to do just because they are fulfilling your wishes, but that you want them to be like Jesus. And if they must be like Jesus, then they have to copy his pattern. Here in our devotion, the first paragraph says in our high calling, page 264, paragraph 2, it says, Jesus has given to childhood and youth a perfect example. Study the pattern Christ Jesus and copy it if you would be like him, pure, holy, sinless and undefiled. Study the childhood of Christ is our instruction. So what does the Bible have to tell us about the childhood of Christ? How much does the Bible reveal to us concerning his childhood? We are told that Jesus, as a child, was brought up by his parents, Joseph and Mary. One time, when he was 12 years old, they went to the Passover. And during that Passover, Jesus, as he was, understanding his mission, 
went about his father's business, not Joseph now, but his father in heaven, and sat down where the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were teaching in the temple. And for three days, the parents were looking for him. And while he was there, asking questions to the Pharisees, pointing them somehow to the word of God, he was teaching them in a way. And when the parents finally found him, they asked him a question, why did you do this to us? And he asked them, did you not know that I'll be about my father's business? Reminding them, of his mission. Luke chapter 2 verse 49 and he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Now what is remarkable now is in verse 51. It says, And he went down to Nazareth with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus went back to the house with his parents, not as a stubborn child, with all his wisdom and knowledge that he was growing in. Jesus was wiser and his parents, when it comes to spirituality, Jesus was highly spiritual. No sin was found in his life from the time he was born till today, as we speak. Jesus grew in wisdom, but yet subject to his parents. What does it mean to be subject? That means he was under their authority. Despite all his spirituality, Despite all his wisdom, Jesus did not use that as a reason to override his parents and to break off from their authority or cut the chain like some of us will say today. With all that wisdom, with all that knowledge, how many children will do that? Children. The Lord is speaking to you today. Parents also teach your children that Jesus, though he was as spiritual as he was, as he was wise, yet was subject to his parents for how long by the way for 30 good years for 30 years he was under his mother and his father joseph died of course before he was 30 but he was under his parents for 30 years subject to them not until his mission started at age 30 did jesus separate from the family from his mother and was no longer under her control when we read because we are told to study the pattern jesus when we read i'm reading from the book now uh, spirit of prophecy volume 2 page 101 paragraph 2 he says jesus loved his mother tenderly for 30 years he had been subject to parental control but the time had now come when he was to go about his father's business. In rebuking his mother, this was when she told him to convert, uh, what as in like make wine out for the wedding, and told the people, asked Jesus to do something about it, and told the people to listen to Jesus. And Jesus responded to her, Mother, my time is not come. That was just a mild rebuke that he gave to Mary. So he says here in rebuking his mother, 
Jesus also rebukes a large class who have an idolatrous love for their family and allow the ties of relationship to draw them from the service of God. Human love is a sacred attribute but should not be allowed to mar our religious experience or draw our hearts from God. End of quote. But the point I want to make there, two things. Jesus for 30 years was subject to his mother. But it was not until he was going for his mission that he wanted her to understand, I am subject to God. And parents, you must teach this to your children, that they are subject to God more than to you. We'll talk about that in a bit. But how can children learn to be subject by looking at the pattern of Jesus Christ? What are the things that they can help with in the family? How can they learn to obey their parents in the Lord? I'm reading now from Desire of Ages. First of all, page 72, paragraph 1, it says, The parents of Jesus were poor and dependent upon their daily toil. He was familiar with poverty, self-denial, and privation. This experience was a safeguard to him. In his industrious life, there were no idle moments to invite temptation. No aimless hours opened the way for corrupting associations. So far as possible, he closed the door to the tempter. Neither gain nor pleasure, applause nor censure could induce him to consent to a wrong act. He was wise to discern evil and strong to resist it. Amen. So here we learn from the life of Jesus why obedience is an element of greatness. In obeying his parents, walking with them in the industrious life he was living, it helped him to close the door to many temptations. Idleness is a curse. And Jesus, in obedience to God and to his parents, followed them, like his father, to the carpenter's shop. And he was also a carpenter. By doing that work, toiling hard, it closed the door to numerous temptations that would have come his way. And adding to that his wisdom, he was strong to resist temptation and wise to discern evil. This children should learn. Going on still in the book Desire of Ages, I'll be reading now from page 72, paragraph 3 and downward. It says, In the simple garb of a common laborer, he walked the streets of the little town, going to and returning from his humble work. He did not employ his divine power to lessen his burdens or to lighten his toil. As Jesus worked in childhood and youth, mind and body were developed. And you see, he's getting great. This is the element of greatness. He did not use his physical powers recklessly, but in such a way as to keep them in health, that he might do the best work in every line. He was not willing to be defective even in the handling of tools. He was perfect as a workman as he was perfect in character. By his own example, he taught that it, was, it is our duty to be industrious, that our work should be performed with exactness and thoroughness and that such labor is honorable. The exercise that teaches the hands to be useful and trains the young to bear their share of life's burdens gives physical strength and develops every faculty. All should find something to do that will be beneficial to themselves and helpful to others. God appointed work as a blessing and only the diligent worker finds the true glory and joy of life. 
the approval of God rests with loving assurance upon children and youth who cheerfully take their part in the duties of the household, sharing the burdens of father and mother. Such children will go out from the home to be useful members of society. Throughout his life on earth, Jesus was an earnest and constant worker. He expected much, therefore he attempted much. After he had entered on his ministry, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. John 9 verse 4 Jesus did not shirk care and responsibility, as do many who profess to be his followers. It is because they seek to evade the discipline that so many are weak and inefficient. They may possess precious and amiable traits, but they are nerveless and almost useless when difficulties are to be met or obstacles surmounted. The positiveness and energy, the solidity and strength of character manifested in Christ are to be developed in us through the same discipline that he endured. Let me stop there before I continue. How now are we to develop these characters? Through the same discipline that Jesus endured is the same way we are to learn. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience through the things he suffered. We also are to follow the same pattern. We are to learn obedience through the things that we will suffer. Suffering here doesn't mean that we are going to go through pain and tears and no, 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 no. Suffering here are the things that we pass through the daily toil of life as Jesus was passing through. This was how he learned obedience. And that's why the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. How can we teach ourselves and children to be obedient? By allowing them to pass through the daily toil of life. That there should be no idle moment. As we just read here, it says that Jesus was a constant worker. No time was left to idleness, constantly working. The child will relieve himself except you as a parent engages them in work constantly. If you relieve them of, of work and allow them to be idle, then you are creating opportunities for them to be tempted. That doesn't mean there's no time for recreation, by the way. There's time for recreation for the child and even for adults. But we learn Hebrews 5 verse 8, learn obedience by the things he suffered. And here also it says, that the positiveness and energy, the solidity and strength of character manifested in Christ are to be developed in us through the same discipline, not through another kind, the same discipline that he endured. What was the discipline? Walking with his father in manual labor. Of course, he also had his spiritual part where he was studying the word. This is the way that we are to develop character. I'll continue the reading now. It says, and the grace that he received is for us. So long as he lived among men, our Savior shared the lot of the poor. He knew by experience their cares and hardships, and he could comfort and encourage all humble workers. Those who have a true conception of the teaching of his life will never feel that a distinction must be made between classes, that the rich are to be honored above the worthy poor. End of quote. So what are the ways in which Jesus would sympathize and help in the family as a child? You should not take your parents for granted and the parents are to teach their children that thoughtfulness is important. When your parents come back from their daily toil, 
if you are not joining them in it as a child welcome them be thoughtful enough to prepare the home for them you know it is not nice for them to come back and see the home scattered and in tatters maintain the home in neatness cleanliness don't get it all scattered and dirty keep it arranged and when the parents come they will be happy to see that and you welcome them cheerfully and help them in all the things that they need whether it is in being thoughtful to get them water to have their bath to prepare the food for them while they are at work and when they come you serve them the food or you dress their bed for them and clean their room and the house generally so that when they come they meet a home that is welcoming and you are increasing as a child increasing yourself in wisdom and knowledge and stature just as jesus was doing and engaging in their labors with them whether it's in the home labor in the kitchen in the general home cleaning and all of that you the child is to understand that this obedience enlightening the burden of the parents is in the pattern of jesus christ and this is how we learn obedience by the things he suffered it is do not take for granted whatever your parents are doing for you learn to appreciate some some children get offended when their parents call them to do something that their parents can do for themselves perhaps they are they are sitting down in the room or in the parlor and then they call you oh, bring some bring this thing for me and the thing is just so close by i know that many people have that experience and you are wondering but this thing is so close why did you call me from where i was to pick up this thing for you i want to remind you that jesus also tells us to do things for him that he can do for himself he likes to involve us in his work and he's training us the parents while training the child ask the child to do things for them that they can do for themselves when the child is just a baby and they're happy to see because if they don't tell the child that the child will never learn and then when you tell the little baby of two years or one year old go and get this for me and then he, 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 he staggers and then they go and get the thing and then they say give it to me and then the child places it in the hand of the parents the parent is always happy and the child is also happy and learning and as they continue two years three four five and continue to get older they keep giving the child direction on things to do that they can do for themselves now it becomes a part of the parent to do this and perhaps now they are get they are used to the child doing things for them you as a child try and understand that it has become part of their life that you do things for them sometimes these are things that you can that they can do for themselves don't be offended don't be angry that your parent is telling you to do something for them that they can do for themselves understand sometimes they may be very tired also but other times it is something they have become used to for many years while they were training you and you do not expect that suddenly they will just stop doing that and they are still training you by the way when they are telling you to do those things that they can do for themselves be it whatever it may as small as it can be you are not well you are not within your right to get angry and offended with your parents because they are asking you to do something that they can do for themselves jesus lent obedience by the things he suffered if you are angry then you are not learning from the pattern jesus christ you should learn to obey cheerfully happily let it be your pleasure to relieve your parents of their burdens sympathize with them know their needs beforehand don't let them tell you everything think beforehand just as they think of you many times as a child your parents think of you they give you things that you don't even know you need you don't even have the idea that you need those things the food is prepared before you come back from school before you go they've prepared the food for you is that not some thoughtfulness it doesn't become you to get 
offended with them, you also be thoughtful about their needs as they are thoughtful concerning your own needs. And by doing this, you are learning obedience just as Jesus Christ and you are becoming truly great. That is how to be great, by obedience. You think you are being great by disobeying? No. That was what Saul thought and he was told by Samuel to obey is better than sacrifice. He was he was, uh, very anxious to be great and thinking that disobeying God and doing what he thought was better for him that he was going to be great but he, he was lower down the scale. Today David is great because of his obedience. It could have been Saul but Saul was disobedient and he's not a great man. The men who we talk about today, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David and all the disciples of Jesus, obedience is what made them great. And you also, in obedience to God, will learn to be great. Now, parents, parents, the Bible says that the children are to obey you in the Lord. There is a tendency for you as a parent to want to be the God, almighty God and creator in the life of your child. The parents are as God to the children, but not the Almighty God, not the Creator. And you as a parent are to recognize that. Give that child back to God. You are only a custodian. You are only a caretaker for God. Do not let the child obey your every desire when it is going contrary to the Word of God. When it is in a situation that is not going contrary to the word of God, O child, obey your parents. It may be that you may have a better reasoning than them. You may think it should be this way or that way. But as far as they have made their decision and that thing looks, it's not something that is going contrary to God's word. It is not a sin. Then defer your wisdom and obey your parents. It doesn't mean you can't reason with them. Try and reason with them. And if the parent doesn't uh, see that way and feels okay let us do it this way then you have to obey as far as that thing is not going contrary to the commandments of god we read in our devotion that in that's in uh our high calling page 264 paragraph 3 says jesus the world's redeemer did as he was told even if the task was not agreeable to his feelings obedience is an element of true greatness no one can be truly good and great who has not learned to obey with alacrity end of quote we have read before that jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and stature with god and man there must have been a time when the wisdom of jesus was greater than the wisdom of his parents for example when he was in that temple three days do you think he did the wrong thing no but the parents thought he did wrong if they had the better wisdom, they would have left him alone. In the wisdom of Jesus, it would have been better he remained in the temple studying the word of God. But they came and cut him off from that. Did Jesus say, no, this is the best decision for me now. I need to be in this place. I know better than you. I am actually wiser than you. You know, I'm more spiritual than you. So listen to me. I am to be in the temple right now. That was not what Jesus did. Though he knew, it was not in his feeling to follow them. He would have preferred to remain in the temple, which would have been a better decision. But it was not a sin to follow his parents. And the parents wanted him to follow them. And the Bible records that he left the temple, which would have been perhaps the wiser decision for him to remain there in the Bible study. If they didn't come, he would have remained there. If they didn't come to take him away, he would have remained there. 
so in Jesus' mind, which was actually better, he was in his father's business, which was a better thing. But his parents needed him to follow them. And Jesus left the temple and followed his parents. He taught us the lesson that as far as your parents are telling you to do something that is not contrary to God's word, you may want to do something that you think is better. Follow them. Do what they ask you to do. But the other flip side of it, Jesus did not obey his parents whenever it is, or his elders, his brothers, or the religious leaders, whenever it is that they asked him to do something contrary to God's word. And I'll read very soon on that note. But the lesson, parents, is this. Put a fail-safe on your child. And what do I mean by fail-safe? Empower your child. Protect your child from yourself because you can be the instrument to destroy that child there is a tendency that evil can crop up in you as a parent and you will make your child do the wrong thing to curb that to help your child teach your child and empower them tell them that they should obey god above you tell them that they should reason that they can question you and as far as you can show them from the word of god what you are telling them to do that the matter should be put at an end and they should obey let them know that you can be an instrument to lead them astray teach them that they should not obey anybody including you as a parent father and mother tell your child don't obey anyone even me if i ask you to do something that you are clear is contrary to god's word because i as a parent can also go astray someday i can apostatize someday the devil can take advantage of me and I may lose my standing with God and I might ask you to do something wrong and tell your child when that time or if that time comes, don't obey me. If you can see from God's word that I'm telling you to go against his commandments, don't obey me. And also outside our home, when you get out there, being employed by anyone, being taught in the schools by anyone, don't obey them also if you won't obey me also know you shouldn't obey them by telling them that you are empowering them giving them great power to stand as children of god a time may come when you as a parent will fall and make your want to make your child do something wrong but if you have taught your child that they shouldn't obey you when you are telling them to do something contrary to god's word they will be empowered and feel comfortable to say, No, mommy, no, daddy, I can't do this. You told me also that I should not do something contrary to God's word. Now you are telling me to do something contrary to God's word. And you as a parent may insist because you may apostatize so badly. But because you have put a fail-safe in your child, telling them that they have the right to disobey you when you are telling them to do something contrary to God's word, they will feel empowered to stand for God and not to do what is wrong. Now, reading from Desire of Ages, this is the, in the book, I recommend this book for everyone, Desire of Ages. It's the book that talks about the life of Christ from his time he was born till his death and his ascension. Wonderful, best rendition on the life of Christ, I would say. So here, let us see how Jesus behaved when he was told to do things contrary to God's word. I'm reading from chapter 9 of the book, it's titled Days of Conflict. And this is page I'm reading from page 85, paragraph 1 down to 86, paragraph 2. 
in every gentle and submissive way. You see that word again? Subject to them? Submissive. In every gentle and submissive way, Jesus tried to please those with whom he came in contact. But he was so gentle and unobtrusive. The scribes and elders supposed that he would be easily influenced by their teaching. Let me stop there. You know, when you are very, very obedient, people think that, oh, we can ride on this person. Anything we tell them, he will do. And that's how we should be. Very obedient and submissive. But there's a flip side. There's the other character of courage and firmness. Jesus had both. And the Pharisees didn't know. But when they tested him, you see what happened. Going on, it says, they urged him to receive the maxims and traditions that had been handed down from the ancient rabbis. But he asked for their authority in the holy writ that is in the Bible. He would hear every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, but he could not obey the inventions of men. Jesus seemed to know the scriptures from beginning to end and he presented them in their true import. The rabbis were ashamed to be instructed by a child. They claimed that it was their office to explain the scriptures and it was his place to accept their interpretation. They were indignant that he should stand in opposition to their word. And take note, he's a child here, a youth, not a man, a youth. And they were indignant. They knew that no authority could be found in the scripture for their traditions. They realized that in spiritual understanding, Jesus was far in advance of them. Yet they were angry because he did not obey their dictates. Failing to convince him, they sought Joseph and Mary and set before them his course of non-compliance. Thus, he suffered rebuke and censure. I'll keep reading, but let me ask a question. Why do you think Jesus was bold enough to resist the rabbis and all their false traditions that could not be found in the word of God? In his gentility and submissiveness, yet he was firm to tell them, please, can you show me from the word of God where this thing you are requiring me to do is and the rabbis couldn't find anywhere in the word and he would tell them the word of god says this and this and this you are not doing it are you asking me to do something different from what the word of god says bringing traditions remember mark chapter 7 traditions like washing your hands before and washing cups and washing this and washing that and if you don't do that you have sinned and jesus knew that such things were not in the word and he would ask them as he asked them if you read the book of mark 7 Where is it in the word of God that you are doing this thing and that anybody who doesn't do it is a sinner? There was no answer and they got angry with this child. My question is, why did Jesus learn? How did he learn this? It is because he was taught by his parents, by his mother, to stand by the word of God above all things. And that was where he got the courage to do this. Parents, please teach your children to obey you in the Lord. Tell them not to obey anything that is contrary to God's word. There you are teaching them to be truly great. Going on, it says, At a very early age, Jesus had begun to act for himself in the formation of his character, and not even respect and love for his parents could turn him from obedience to God's word. It is written was his reason for every act that varied from the family customs. But the influence of the rabbis made his life a bitter one. Even in his youth, he had to learn the hard lesson of silence and patient endurance. His brothers, as the sons of Joseph were called, sided with the rabbis. They insisted that the traditions must be heeded, 
as if they were the requirements of God. They even regarded the precepts of men more highly than the word of God. And they were greatly annoyed at the clear penetration of Jesus in distinguishing between the false and the true. His strict obedience to the law of God they condemned as stubbornness. They were surprised at the knowledge and wisdom he showed in answering the rabbis. They knew that he had not received instruction from the wise men, yet they could not but see that he was an instructor to them. They recognized that his education was of a higher type than their own, but they did not discern that he had access to the tree of life, a source of knowledge of which they were ignorant." End of quote. In the book of John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers spited him and they mocked him. And that time his ministry had started, it was the Feast of Tabernacles, and they asked him, they were mocking him, hey, you, you say you are the Messiah, how come you are avoiding going for the Feast of Tabernacles? Who is the person that says he is the Messiah and want to go and show himself to everyone? And Jesus told them, my time is not yet, but your time is now. The world does not hate you, but me it hated, because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. And he told them, you can go. I am not going yet. And the brothers were spiting him, and it was not just that day, it started. All through his youth, his brothers were against him. I thank God that they changed later, like James and Jude, the person who wrote the book of James, that's James, the brother of Jesus, and Jude was also his brother. They believed in him later. But if Jesus had been obeying everything they said, how would they believe in him? He had to stand his ground in doing what was right. Parents, teach your child to be like Jesus, to obey God's word above the precepts and traditions and customs of men and even the custom of the family. It is not stubbornness. It looks like stubbornness when they are obeying God. Obedience is the element of true greatness. Obedience to God and teach them to obey God. There you will be making greatness out of yourself and out of your child. May God give us the grace to instill this discipline of obedience to God in our children and also to put it in ourselves is my prayer. Amen. Amen. I see in this message one that we need to carry through life. If we want to be like Christ Jesus, study a pattern and copy that pattern if you want to be like him. Pure, holy, sinless, and undefiled. In other words, if we look into the lives of Jesus, we will see him doing things and we have to copy those things he was doing so that will in turn become pure, holy, sinless, and undefiled. Then the third paragraph says that Jesus, the world's redeemer, did as he was told even if the task was not agreeable to his feelings. Remember that as children we always have one complaint or the other, but Jesus operates from principles, not from feelings. Then he says that when tempted to have your own way in regard to the wishes of your parents say no Jesus was subject to his parents that's an advice I was just look, looking at this text and I remember how many children are leaving homes because they will not obey simple instructions we are told to seek to be useful to help your parents to be caretaking and thoughtful you can help them in a variety of ways 
I remember my friend's daughter when he would come back from work even as young as she was she would come and try to loose the shoes from his feet when you see a child of three four years carrying the shoe to the place where the shoe is supposed to be and he was glad although the service was a little one but he was very glad and he used to talk about it I remember another brother when you get to the home the child of maybe be around three years will do the same thing the child will bring a bowl of water for you to wash your hands children are to be guided they are to be thought to be useful now I read that we are not to encourage indolence in children through mistaken kindness don't say oh they are too young this is the time to teach them to be useful I read now from chapter 49 of Adventist home the title of that chapter is mother's helpers 282 it says children to be partners in the home firm children as well as parents have important duties in the home they should be taught that they are a part of the home firm they are fed and clothed and loved and cared for and they should respond to these many mercies by bearing their share of the home's burdens and bringing all the happiness possible into the family of which they are members let every mother teach her children that they are members of the family firm and must bear their share of the responsibilities of this firm every member of the family should bear these responsibilities as faithfully as church members bear their responsibilities of church relationship note parents are not to be slaves to their children doing all the sacrificing while the children are permitted to grow up careless and unconcerned letting all the burdens rest upon their parents children should be taught very young to be useful to help themselves and to help others many daughters of this age can without remorse of conscience see their mothers toiling cooking washing or ironing while they sit in the parlor and read stories knit edging crochet or embroider their hearts are as unfeeling as a stone i pause because you see that it's happening today when mothers are working children especially daughters who are supposed to be side by side with the mothers they are watching tv pressing their phones in the parlor or in their rooms we have been told that it is evil it is evil to see mothers walking and daughters are not there to help say their hearts are as unfeeling as a stone instead of seeking to lighten their burden many daughters and many sons are increasing the burdens of mothers and fathers i continue with the reading it says but where does these wrong originate who are the ones usually most to blame in this matter they poor deceived parents they overlook the future good of their children and in their mistaken fondness let them sit in idleness or do that which is of but little account which requires no exercise of the mind or muscles and then excuse their indolent daughters because they are weakly what has made them weakly in many cases it has been the wrong cause of the parents a proper amount of exercise about the house will improve both mind and body but children are deprived of this through false ideas until 
they are averse to work. If your children have been unaccustomed to labor, they will soon become weary. They will complain of side ache, pain in the shoulder, and tired limbs, and you will be in danger through sympathy of doing the work yourselves rather than have them suffer a little. Let the burden upon the children be very light at first, and then increase it a little every day until they can do proper amount of labor without becoming so weary. I have been shown that much sin has resulted from idleness. So parents, when they begin to complain, it's because they have not been using their limbs. Let them suffer a little. Now, I read again from the fifth paragraph. It says, your face bright with gladness because you can do something for your parents to lighten their load will make you a blessing in the house. All children can bring an atmosphere of cheerfulness, courtesy, and love into the home. A home where love dwells and where it finds expression in looks, in words, in acts, is a place where angels delight to dwell. Remember that children whose hearts are touched by the work of the parents can help them by words of encouragement to not only acts of kindness, but words can help gladden their hearts. Let the sunshine of love, cheer, and happy content enter into your hearts. So let's learn to obey them, obey our parents, show them respect. I see children who are contentious. They contend with their parents over little tasks. Everything you tell them, they have a repellent for it. Even if they agree to do it, they drag, they drag and drag and drag for days. The job will still lie undone. See, no one can be truly good and great who has not learned to obey with alacrity. Mark the word alacrity with promptness and quickness, deftness of heart and hands. Doing what you can to do cheerfully with quick step, your face bright with gladness because you can do something for your parents to lighten their load will make you a blessing in the house. We just read that again in the fifth paragraph. And the paragraph that I really love is the sixth one where he says that all these little duties faithfully done are entered upon the ledger of heaven. Hallelujah. So when you carry out the duty, know that you carry it out for God. So never a frown, but always carry a cheerful, happy face. Don't frown. You know, it takes, talking to the children now, it takes about eight muscles to smile. Just eight. And you smile and you bring sunshine and light into the home. And everyone you meet, you share the light and the parents will be glad. But it takes about 70 muscles to frown. No wonder why we look so frightening and old when we frown. It speaks gloominess in the heart. People are scared to come near you. It scares people away. And it's very perplexing for parents to have this kind of children around because they're wondering, what have I done to make this child so angry? And most children learn to do that to make an unnecessary statement. The first volume of Mind, Character and Personality, page 62, it says, It is the duty of everyone to cultivate cheerfulness instead of brooding over sorrow and troubles. Many not only make themselves wretched 
in this way, but they sacrifice health and happiness to a morbid imagination. There are things in their surroundings that are not agreeable, and their con- countenance wear a continual frown that more plainly than words express discontent. These depressing emotions are a great injury to them health-wise, for by hindering the process of digestion they interfere with nutrition. While grief and anxiety cannot remedy a single evil, they can do great harm, but cheerfulness and hope, while they brighten the pathway of others, are life unto those that find them unheld to all their flesh. Hallelujah. So, children, you see your life work cut out. Let us go and do a walk cheerfully and with a happiness and brightness in all our faces. The seventh paragraph says, Remember, your characters are not finished. You are building up day by day a character. So, with this noun, we adults, we are also involved in this somehow. We continue. With all the kindness, obedience, thoughtfulness, painstaking, and love into our lives. So Jesus compared us to children in Matthew chapter 18 verse 1. He says, At the same time when came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto them, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Note, we see two things here. Humility and obedience is the pathway to greatness. Now we see that we are still under, we are still, we are children under the mighty hand of God. If we want to be great, we must obey him explicitly and implicitly. Because on the flip side of obedience is disobedience, which is stubbornness, rebellion. Now let us look into our lives as children of God. Sometimes we are filled with activities for God, going to church, singing in the choir, walking in the treasury, church clerk, evangelism, but we refuse to obey Him in carrying out simple daily instructions, whether in dress reform, Sabbath reform, health reform, social reforms. But we claim the promised blessings, but we scoff at his counsels, we reproach the Father's wisdom, and we dare his justice, we jeer his patience, we abrade his love. Whenever we say no to those reforms, what we are actually doing is that we are dethroning the Father in our heart. No, we cannot have this man to rule over us. Does that know what the people said? Away with him! Away with those laws. We rebel against the authority of the Father. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord and has also rejected thee, he had also rejected thee from being king. 
I'll read this account from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 634. It says, To obey is better than sacrifice. The sacrificial offerings were in themselves of no value in the sight of God. They were designed to express the part of the offerer's penitence for sin and faith in Christ and to pledge future obedience to the law of God. But without penitence, faith, and an obedient heart, the offerings were worthless. When, in direct violation of God's command, Saul proposed to present a sacrifice of that which God has devoted to destruction, open contempt was shown for the divine authority. This service would have been an insult to heaven. Yet, with the sin of Saul and its result before us, how many are pursuing a similar course? While they refuse to believe and obey some requirements of the Lord, they persevere in offering up to God their former services of religion. There is no response of the Spirit of God to such service, no matter how zealous men may be in their observance of religious ceremonies the lord cannot accept them if they persist in willful violation of one of his commands rebellion is as the scene of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry rebellion originated with satan and all rebellion against god is directly due to satanic influence those who set themselves against the government of God have entered into an alliance with the apostates, and he will exercise his power and cunning to captivate the senses and mislead the understanding. He will cause everything to appear in a false light. Like our first parents, those who are under his bewitching spell see only the great benefits to be received by transgression end of quote so we see beloved scary thoughts that we are all to teach obedience and to require obedience from children but God our father wants us to learn to obey him first and so we realize that one of the reasons why Abraham was told that he will become great God will make his name great was because he was obedient when he was told to go, leave thy father's house, he moved, no questions asked, no debate, no discussion, no board meeting, he just moved by faith. And so it is with God's children today, we are to obey God implicitly. Even though we don't feel like it, even though we don't understand it when we hear his voice, we are to harden not our hearts. So my prayer is that we learn to respond to the plea, my son, give me thine heart. After we've given our hearts to him, then we are ready to answer the one where he says, Son, go walk today in my vineyard. Then we are on our way, well on our way to greatness. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our Father, we continue to say thank you. We thank you for the way you've been leading us. We thank you for a provision. We thank you for spelling out before us today that indeed you care for us and you have provided all that is necessary for life and so you've not left us as children to walk in darkness and confusion you've given us the life of jesus as a pattern to copy that we may become truly happy and make those around us happy and be a blessing in the homes oh lord these lessons are hard to learn 
but you've told us to come to thee to receive strength. And so we pray for strength and power, O Lord, to live in obedience. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.